Lewis and Clark, Daniel Boone, Grizzly Adams. The American wilderness was discovered and tamed by real men. These were men who marched headlong into the unknown without fear, knowing that they were leaving a legacy for generations to come. True, some were a little rough around the edges, but who has time for hygiene when you're tackling the westward expansion? It's been well over a hundred years since the last pioneer, but these American icons are a powerful reminder for us especially on Father's Day, because the one thing they had in common, besides the hygiene thing, was that they always knew which way was true north. With either a compass or the stars to guide them, they always knew which was the way to progress and which was a step backward. So, inspired by these rugged, albeit gamey, early American heroes, we have some advice for today's fathers. Here it is, it's not all about you, but those following in your footsteps. If you're going to come to the fatherhood party, you need to stay around to help clean up the mess. Boys with absentee fathers are more likely to drop out of school, use drugs, and not give you an ugly tie on Father's Day. They need dads, dads who can teach them how to be men, stuff like throwing a ball, shaving correctly, giving a firm handshake, showing up, and the most important lesson, living for God. And girls without a meaningful attachment to a fatherly role model have a greater risk of criminal activity, sexual immorality, and they do worse in school. A good dad gives a girl a fighting chance in knowing what a good guy's supposed to look like, instead of the first sweet-talking, self-centered loser that tries to sweep her off her feet. Being there, being a manly and godly presence in the lives of your kids is important. Anything less than that is a slap in the face to all men especially those who have never had the chance to raise kids of their own. So, dads, like our pioneer fathers, find your true north. Get your bearings and follow God by putting one foot in front of the other. Sure, you might have to endure nights of math homework you don't understand, or getting a makeover by your daughter in a color that's so not in your palate, or watching the free-for-all that is a boys' t-ball game. But you know what? Someday your kids are going to invite you to their high school graduation. You might have to wear an ugly tie, but you'll wear it proudly because you've earned it. Great job on that, Tim Johnson and his family. And uh, again, that's our theme for today, uh, True North. And uh, guys, we get the privilege and the responsibility and the obligation under God to lead our families in that direction, just true north, just staying with the principles and the truths that are, that are in the Bible. And so I want to help you with that the best way that I can uh, this morning in the time that we have remaining. Now, some of you may already be thinking, uh, well, you know, Pastor Jeff, today is a free day for my brain because I'm not a father or I never want to be a dad. Or you may be saying my kids are already grown and out of the house and I want to just say to you right up front that if that's what's running around in your mind, then I want to snag your thinking for just a few moments and ask you to reconsider that. And uh, first of all, I, I want to just uh, give you a couple of things to, to think about before we get into some practical realities. First of all, I want you to think about this, that it does not matter how old your kids are, for the rest of your life, you are going to be a parent. I've got three kids, and I want to just speak out of personal experience. Three kids, two of them are already out of the house, 
And I'm so glad they are. I didn't mean to say that out loud. I, I apologize. And then one more still at home. And I don't ever want her to leave. But she will eventually. And, uh, but uh, the reality is, you know what I've discovered? Uh, and I think it will be true that once Audrey leaves as well, you're always, you're always going to be a dad. You parent at different stages. And you adjust accordingly. But you don't stop being a parent when your kids leave home. Isn't that true? You don't stop being a parent, and still there's that parental influence that you're going to carry for a long, long time. Secondly, I want to just say this. Even if you are not a parent, you need kids in your life. You really do. You, you need kids in your life for a couple of reasons. Number one, having kids in your life helps you to stay young, keeps you younger uh, longer. It's just a reality, and you need that. But here's another thing that having kids in your life, whether you're a parent or not, uh, having kids in your life will help to do. It, it is God's, one of God's best ways to teach you how to become increasingly unselfish. How many of you know to be a parent or to have kids in your life, uh, there's not a lot of room for selfishness? There's just not. And uh, I, th I think about that so often, you know, now that the kids are older, one more to go. Audrey, I mentioned you last weekend, she got uh, engaged uh, recently. And so one, one more to go. And I want to just say, uh, things are totally different around the house when parents uh, don't have small uh, kids running around. You, you can do, how many of you know this, as your kids get older, you can do your own thing a little bit more. But uh, when you have kids in your life and all that changes, all that changes when the grandkids, is, now it's not kids, it's grandkids, and all of that sort of my routine is upended when you're hearing again and again, pawpaw, 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 and, and just... You know, you're not able to do your own, own thing uh, then. I was having fun with the grandkids. Uh, some of you may have heard me uh, mention this. I was having fun. Audrey's up there right now, and uh, she was getting ready to make a trip. And so I'm FaceTiming with the kids, and, and uh, I say to the girls, I said, you know what? Uh, not that much longer, and we'll be going to the beach for vacation. And I'm like, if you want to go to the beach, raise your hand. And both of them are like... And I'm like, while you're there, if you want to see some dolphins, raise your hand. And, and then I just thought I'd start trying to get them in a little bit excited about, you know, Christmas, even though it's six months away. And I said, how many of you are excited about Christmas? Let me see your hand. And I started singing that little song to them. Santa Claus is Santa Claus is coming. I started singing that, and they were just smiling. And then I said, now, Audrey had not yet left. I said, now, who do you want to come and see you? Do you want Auntie? Or, or do you want, or do you want Papa? And uh, just in her own little uh, torturous way, uh, Landry uh, looked at Audrey in the FaceTime and said, and "They call her Titi. She can't say Auntie, so she calls her Titi." She said, "Titi not coming, but Santa Claus, you know, <laughs> is coming to town." And then she started adding to it, "And Papa is coming to town." So they know, and, and you know, it changes your life. I mean, just being around kids keeps you younger, longer, and it's God's way of teaching you how to become unselfish. There was a study done some time ago at at-risk kids, 
and, and they studied kids in New York City and in Washington, D.C., and they contrasted kids who stayed on the right path and kids who went astray, those kids who got into trouble. And do you know what they discovered? They discovered that the difference between the two, the kids who, for the most part, again, there's always exceptions, but for the kids that stayed on the right path when contrasted with kids who just seemed to get in trouble every time they turned around, you know what the difference was? The difference was, listen to this now, a caring adult in their life. It didn't even have to be a parent. Sometimes it was a parent. Sometimes it was just a caring adult in their life and the influence of that. So on this Father's Day, I want to remind you that nothing in life, think about this, nothing in life prepares you to be a parent. You learn how to do it. It while you're doing it. Now, some of you have had this experience. How many of you know, because you can look back a long, long time ago, and how many of you know, and sort of the mantra is, you know, uh, you got to have enough money to have kids, and kids are very expensive. I don't have to tell you this. But how many of you know, if you had waited until you could afford to have kids, you never would have had kids? Yeah, are you, some of the calculations on how much it costs to raise kids today, it's unbelievable. And so if you had had enough money ahead of time, you, you probably never would have had kids. And the reality is you don't really know how to be a parent until you are a parent. Uh, now at this stage in my life, in my ministry, you know, for the longest time, I was the young guy that older guys were speaking into and a reality check for me. Now I've become the older guy that's speaking into the lives and trying to of younger guys. And I often say, the younger guys, they're like, you know, I want to be able to preach. I want to be able to share the gospel. I want to be able to communicate. I want to be able to get up in front of people. And one of the things, and I'll help them in various ways, and how do you put together a talk, and I'll do, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'll do that. Uh, but Dr. Hackett, one of the things I say uh, to them, you know, we can talk about the technicalities of it, the details of it, the prep of it. But one of the things I say uh, to young preachers, I just say, you know, the only way you're going to get better at is you just got to get up and keep doing it again and again and again and again. You just got to get up and speak, get up and speak, get up. You, the more you do it, uh, the more that God's going to enable you and expand that gift. And that's sort of like parenting. You, you think you understand what parenting is going to be like, but you really don't know until you get more deeply into it. Now, before we get into some really practical, practical steps in this message, I, I want to say to every parent here that the most important thing that you can teach your kids is this. It is how to get to know God. That's the most important lesson you'll ever be able to teach them. That's way more important than teaching them a sport. And I taught my boys sports. And from the time that Brent, who is the oldest, could hold a ball and, uh, you know, put a glove on his hand. And, you know, when he so, I put a glove and it was like heavier than he was. And uh, I said to him recently, I said, is Brody, you know, uh, Kenley had a, a, a ball game yesterday. I said, how's she doing? And, um, Again, I was FaceTiming. I never did this before, FaceTiming with Auntie being up there, and she's pushing the grandkids around, and Kinley or Landry puts on a little hat, and she's not old enough to play any sport, but uh, she's two. She put on a little hat, and she looked in the camera at me, and she said, I'm ready for T-ball. <laughs> and so I asked him, I said, you know, uh, is Brody, you know, is he going to be a great athlete? And this is so atypical of Brent. He said, well, Dad, he said, when we're playing, I'm, I'm, I, I roll the ball to him already. Now, he's, he's six months old. He said, I roll the ball to him, and then I laughed, and I said, oh, so you're already working on his hand and eye coordination, are you? He said, that's right, already working on it. 
And so you can teach your kid a sport, and that's all right. Nothing wrong with that. You can teach your kid as they grow older how to succeed in business or how to navigate relationships. Those are all things that we need to teach them, how to manage money. But I'm just saying at the end of the day, the most important thing that you will ever teach your kids is how to get to know God. Most important. Parenting is wonderful. But how many of you dads and how many of you moms have come to the realization that parenting is wonderful, but it's also very serious business? And uh, I want to read uh, to you something I, I found. Uh, it's a book that I recommend, uh, you know, for dads. And certainly there's application for dads, you know, with sons and daughters. But this one was writ- written particularly for dads and daughters. And Margaret Meeker is the name of the book. And it's called, you've heard me recommend this, Strong Fathers, Strong Dads. I think there's been uh, an, another uh, book uh, r- that she's written. She's a Christian pediatrician. And... Um, The name of that book, I think, is Strong Mothers and Strong Sons. I haven't read the Strong Mothers book because I'm not one. I've read the Strong Fathers book. But in that uh, book that I read that I've recommended, look at this statement that Margaret Meeker uh, says. She says, talking about a daughter, at the beginning of her life, your daughter's life, if you're a dad, she will feel your love. At the end, and I teared up just reading, going back and rereading this uh, recently. At the end of her life, you will be on her mind. And what happens in between is up to you. So love her extraordinarily. This is the heart of great fathering. Meeker goes on to say, and this is not on the screen, but she writes, daughters are never lukewarm in the presence of their fathers. They might take their mothers for granted, but not you, dad. They light up, and this is true. You think about this as a dad. They light up or they cry. They watch you intensely. They hang on your words. They hope for your attention, and they wait for it in frustration or in despair. They need a gesture of approval, a nod of encouragement, or even simple eye contact to let them know you care and are willing to help. When she's in your company, your daughter tries hard to excel. When you teach her, she learns more rapidly. When you guide her, she gains confidence. If you fully understood just how profoundly your influence in your daughter's life is, you would be terrified, overwhelmed, or both. And then she makes this statement. I believe she's exactly right. She said, boyfriends, brothers, even husbands can't shape her character the way you do. You will influence her entire life, your daughter's life, because she gives you an authority she will give to no other man. And I believe Meeker is right in that regard. I used to say to Audrey, and it's hard to believe now, she's 21. I used to say to her, and I remember when we first moved uh, back to Lakeland, uh, she was just three years old when we came to Victory Church, three years old. And honestly, I wanted to freeze her in time. And uh, it's so true. I think about her so, so many times even now. And in my mind, she's not 21, and she's not 15, and she's not 12, and she's not three. Uh, but she is three. And I'd, I'd say to her when she is three, I'd pull her up in my lap and I'd hold her. And I must have said this a million times. I'd say, Audrey, you know, I know you're three now and you're sitting in daddy's lap, but are you going to do it when you're 13? And she's like, yes, daddy. And I said, how about when you're 23? Yes, daddy. How about when you're 33 and 43? Yes, daddy. And, you know, I'm happy to tell you, she'll still do that 
today. I used to say to her at night so many times as we'd get ready to say our prayers, I'd have this little thing. And again, in my mind, she's still three in so many ways. And uh, I would say to her, now, Audrey, we're getting ready to pray. But if daddy, and I'd heard this a number of years ago and it stuck with me. I thought, that's so good. I'm going to implement that into my time with my daughter. And so I'd say to her before we'd pray, I'd say, Audrey, if daddy could line up all the little girls in the whole wide world, and I could only pick one, who do you think daddy would pick? And she'd get this big smile on her face, and she'd say, you'd pick me, wouldn't you, daddy? And I'd be, absolutely, I would pick you. I opened my uh, Father's Day card from her. Again, she's in Illinois, and she wrote on it, put it on my uh, chest of drawers, don't open it until Father's Day, and just read that this morning. And I love the way she ended the card. And I'll, I'll have to be careful. I feel a little bit emotional, and I can't do It's Father's Day. you got to be rugged. <laughs> and you know how she ended the card? I will always be your little girl. And, you know, I pray so. I pray that not just for me, but for all of you dads. And in just a moment, we're going to become... Um, extremely practical from Jesus' teachings in Matthew chapter 6, and it won't take me long to do that. But before we do, I want to just mention three reasons why giving your kids a spiritual foundation is necessary. And then we're going to get real practical. Number one, because it's our responsibility as a parent. You see, that's our responsibility to give our kids a spiritual foundation. It's not the responsibility of the school system or the government or even the church. Now, we as a church want to help you in that, but that is not our primary responsibility to be the parent. It's yours. And then for us to come behind you with support. Look at this verse on the screen. Ephesians 6, 4 is rent to all of us dads. And this is what Paul says. He said, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Let me do a timeout right there. Do you know how we exasperate our children? We set a standard for them that is impossible for them to achieve. You know, we become the, and nothing, if you're a kid, nothing is any more frustrating and exasperating than to have an unpleasable parent. No matter what you do, you can't please them. No matter, you know, what I do, no matter how I, no matter what grades I have, no matter, I can never please. And when we as dads set the standard so high, now we ought to set a high standard. I want to be clear about that. But when we set it so high that it becomes an impossibility, it's frustrating and exasperating to our kids. Fathers, don't do that, Paul said. Instead, this is what you're to do. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So it's important, three reasons why we give our kids a spiritual foundation. Number one, it's our responsibility as a parent. Number two, because it is the key to God's blessing in your family. It is the key to God's blessing in your family. This is not on the screen, but I, I want you to write this verse down. Look at it later. Hosea uh, chapter 4 and verse 6 says this, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. That's what God says. You know why my people are being destroyed? Because they don't know me. And then the verse goes on to say, since you have forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. Now, it's God saying, well, you know, I really don't want to bless your children. No, just the opposite. God says, I want to bless your kids, but how can I bless your kids? How in the world can I bless your family if there's no room in your family for me? And, you know, if we're not bringing God into the conversations of our homes, then how is God going to bless our homes? If we're not talking to our kids about God, which is the most important subject that we need to be talking to our kids about, then 
then how are they going to understand about God? So the foundation is important because it's our responsibility as a parent. Secondly, because it is a key to God's blessings in our family. Thirdly, it is the secret to multi-generational blessings. When we lay the spiritual foundation for our kids, we're trusting and believing God that it will lead to multi-generational blessings. Now, where does that come from? Look at this. Look at these two verses. This is out of the Psalms. Uh, Take a look at this. This is uh, Psalm 78, two verses. He commanded our forefathers. Now, look at the generations here. He commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. I want you to think about this for just a moment. The psalmist here is talking about four generations. Now, let me help you with this, and I'll just use a practical example. If I can do this well, I'm, I'm like all of you dads. I get same, some things right, and I get some things wrong. I'm not a perfect dad. I mess up. I have messed up. By the way, when we mess up as dads, let me just throw this in for free. It's all right to say to your kids, I'm sorry when you mess up. Some people just have this attitude. Well, I'll never tell my kids I'm sorry because I'm the parent. Well, that's a big mistake. Be willing to say, and we mess up. But the reality is, here's what we do. If if we help, and I'm seeing this right now with Brent. You know, uh, obviously, Drew and Tabitha has not had uh, kids yet. And, you know, I've said to all my kids, here's here's what I believe is God's will. I believe it's God's will that we'd have 12 grandkids. Jesus had 12 disciples. We need 12 grandkids. And... uh, and so now we're, we're seeing this with Brent because he has three. We work really hard to lay a spiritual foundation for our kids. And now Brent and Nicole is doing that for their kids. And you know what I'm hoping? That when Kenley and Landry and Brody grow up and they have their family, that they're laying a spiritual foundation for their kids. And then it's just multi-generational blessings. And, and I know what some of you are saying. Well, you know, Pastor Jeff, I would have loved to have done that, but nobody sort of handed that down to my life. Well, guess what? That's when you get to break the cycle and you can start it with your generation. You can make it happen for you and then for your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, multi-generational blessings. And that's what God wants to do. God wants us to live right and leave a legacy. So remember the words from Ephesians 6, 4, the teaching and instruction of the Lord. I'm going to use these last few minutes that we have together, and I'm going to give them to you quick. You may want to jot them down. We're going to look at the teaching and instruction of Jesus from the Lord's Prayer. All right, I've never done this from the Lord's Prayer, but I believe it's just so incredibly helpful when you look at it and say, well, you know what? I'm going to walk through the Lord's Prayer, but how can I take these principles and use them, listen now, to teach and instruct my kids, to keep my kids headed in the right, right direction, true north, and not wavering. All right, so I'm going to give them to you. Seven, are you ready? Wave at me if you're ready. Number one, God wants your kids to know how, how that they can have a personal relationship with him, a personal relationship with him. And this all comes out of Matthew 6. What is Matthew 6? I'm just taking a phrase at a time. Our Father in heaven. When we're able to call God Father, that speaks of a personal relationship. Have you ever noticed how the Bible teaches us how to pray? The Bible doesn't say, all right, pray in this way, our tyrant, our dictator, 
our creator. Although he is our creator, the Bible doesn't teach us to pray that way, but the Bible teaches us to pray this way. Pray our father. The word father in and of itself speaks of a very close relationship. And if you're involved in the lives of your kids, they're going to get to know you. You know that. You're living with them. You're, you're hopefully molding their lives. And so in the process of that, they're going to get to know your strengths and your weaknesses, your personality and your habits. But help them to get to know God's ways, God's character, God's nature. And here's some things about God that we need to teach our kids no matter how old they are. You may want to jot this down somewhere. Teach them these four things that God is caring that God is close, that God is consistent, and that God is capable, that our God, our Father in heaven is caring, and that he wants to be close to us. He doesn't want to be distant. He doesn't want to be a distant deity. He wants to be a close father, and he's consistent. He's always consistent. He's faithful. He's consistently perfect, and he's capable. There's nothing that our God, our Father in heaven cannot do. Help them to realize that God loves them unconditionally. And when they understand that they are unconditionally loved by God, it helps kids to feel confident and secure, which, by the way, is the antidote to insecurity that so many kids struggle with. When your kids know that God loves them unconditionally and that God cares about them and is close to them and God is consistent and dependable and that God is capable, there's nothing he can't do that helps them to feel secure. So firstly, help them to know they can have a personal relationship with God, our Father in heaven. Secondly, help your kids to know that God's name deserves to be honored. In the Lord's Prayer, we see this next phrase. This is verse 9. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. In the Bible, a name was not just a name. How many of you know that? A name in the Bible was not just a name. It had meaning. Some of you have heard me tell this. Some of you have heard me mention it a couple of times. I'll just say it. For some of you who have never heard me say this. When Brand was born, I had no intention of being a pastor. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. I wanted to be a business guy. That was my plan. You know what my plan was? To start a business, grow a business, make a lot of money. Sounded good, didn't it? But God had a different plan. And I'm glad that God directed me. So when Brent was born, I had no clue. I didn't give him any kind of Bible name at all. I, uh, my name, Jeffrey, gave him that. But not Jeffrey Scott, as my name is. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Brent. And then once I became a pastor, it hit me. You know what? Here he is, a preacher's kid. He doesn't have any Bible name whatsoever. Jeffrey's not in the Bible. You know, it wasn't Toys R Us, spelled differently, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, Jeffrey, and Brynn is not in the Bible. And then long came son number two. And I'm like, all right, zero for two, Jeffrey Brynn, zero for two on his name. All right, I'm sure God's going to cut me some slack here. So we'll make up for it with Drew, with Andrew. So let's give him a New Testament first name and an Old Testament middle name. And so he's got a great name, Jeffrey Brent, the firstborn. And then the secondborn, Andrew, New Testament, Old Testament, Mare Shallow Hashbass. which means hurry to the spoils, by the way. And some of you are wondering, is he serious? No, I just made that up. That is, not his, that is not his name. He's Andrew Michael. And then there's Audrey Elizabeth. But God has many names in Hebrew, names which speak of his peace and his healing and his righteousness and his provision. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, you know what? Here's what I want to teach you. And we can take this as dads to teach and instruct, our, teach our kids 
how to hallow the name of God. Now, I'm, I'm going to step on all of our toes right here, all right? So go ahead, stick them out. Just put them right out there so I can. How many of you know, and how many of you know that it's just so easy to just take God's name, not, not in a cursing kind of way, but just glibly? In the Big Ten, the Big Commandments, we're told to not take the Lord's name in vain. And I think we can teach our kids. And again, uh, you've probably done this. I've probably done this. But to say something like this, not in the context of calling on God, but oh, my God. All right, you ever hear, you know, not acknowledging Jesus, but you ever hear somebody say, Jesus Christ, like that. You hear this? Or my Lord. And you just say, well, you know, you know Jeff, that's, that's, now come on, that's, that's being a little touchy there. Really, but I think there's just something so powerful and honorable in the name of God. We need to be careful how we just, are you with me on that? Wave at me if you are. We just need to be careful. If you say, well, you know, what am I supposed to do? I'm walking through the house in the middle of the night. It's dark. I hit my little toe on a piece of furniture. You know, it just comes out of my mouth. Retrain yourself. You hit it, just say, oh, Buddha. <laughs> Harry Krishna. You know, come up, come up with an alternative there somehow. There's other things we can do. Honor the name of God. All right, continuing with the Lord's Prayer. Help our kids to understand that God's purpose for their life is part of a much bigger plan. Matthew 16, uh, Matthew 6.10 says this, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, it's one thing to love our kids, and we ought to. We ought to love them outrageously and to support our kids, and we ought to do that. But I want to just mention this. And again, I know I mentioned all of these pretty rapidly. I want to give you as much as possible in the time that we have. But I want to just tell you, I think that we do our kids a disservice if we treat them like they're the center of the whole universe. Love them the way they ought to be loved. Support them the way they ought to be supported. Love them outrageously. But don't treat them like they're the center of the universe. Because when they grow up, you're not going to feel good about training them to become selfish and self-centered. The whole world, listen, the whole, and I'll help us with that. The whole world does not center around you or me. The whole world does not revolve around our kids. And that's not going to work well if we teach them and we train them and instruct them that way. How many of you know when they get out and they get into the uh, bruising world, as a, that, that kind of attitude is not going to serve them well necessarily in their career. Not everybody where they, how many of you know this because it happened to you personally? How many of you know that where you work, not everybody, probably 80%, but not everybody treats you like you're the center of the universe. And they're not going to treat your kids that way. And so... You know, it doesn't work in relationships. It doesn't work in marriage. Instead, help them to realize God's powerful purpose for the world and his personal purpose for their life. S sit down and talk to them about, hey, do you know why you're here? Do you know where you came from? Do you know why God put you? What are you here for? What is your purpose in life? What are you to do with your life? What can and should you do? And that gets into abilities and talents and gifts and such. Help them to realize that there's more to life than just birth and school and work and, and dying. That God has a purpose for their life. There's a reason that they were born. There's something that God wants them to do with their one and only life. How many of you are still with me? Wave at me. 
You with me? Number four, again, all this is out of the Lord's prayer. Teach them that God can meet all of their needs. Jesus said this in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. That's a valuable lesson to teach our kids. Uh, how many of you notice it does, does not say, you know, teach us, uh, you know, give us uh, our weekly bread, our monthly bread, our annual bread. Why is it daily bread? Because it is teaching us, and we're to teach our kids how to trust God, listen now, for daily provision, daily provision. I've read recently where a writer puts it like this, raise your kids to know dependence on you because, you know, they've got to have that early on. But then teach, and this is hard for a lot of parents, but then teach them how to become independent from you so that they can move forward and move ahead in, in their lives, independent of you. But then as you teach them from dependence to independence, but also teach them how to become dependent upon God. Dependent, independent, dependent upon God. Give us today our daily bread. Bread here in verse 11 represents every kind of resource. And when we train and instruct our kids on how to depend on God and trust in God every single day, it's going to help them to be freed up from a lifetime of chronic worry and anxiety. Guess what worrisome parents produce? Worried kids. Isn't that true? If you're anxious all the time, guess what that fosters in the lives of your kids? Anxiety. And you say, well, I'm going to tell them to just trust God. Well, tell them, but then show them. Show them that you trust God for daily provision. And again, we have to model this. And when we do it, it frees them up from, you know, just, just being a worry wart for the rest of their life. Give us this day our daily bread. Number five, teaching our kids that God forgives them and that they can forgive other people. Teach your kids. That's a valuable lesson. Teach them that God forgives them. And because God forgives them, they can forgive other people. Again, right out of the Lord's Prayer, verse 12. All of this is in Matthew 6. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I, I want to stop for just a moment, and I want to ask you a question. I've asked this before. Is there anybody right here in this place right now that has ever been hurt by somebody else? Would you raise your hand? All right, you've ever been hurt. How many of you uh, are saying, well, not only have I been hurt, I, it, it seems like I've been hurt a hundred times. I've been hurt. Well, think about this. Your parents, this is really important, dads, moms, especially you dads, it's Father's Day. Think about this. Your parents as much as they loved you, and I hope that you had parents that loved you and that cared for you and met your needs with God's help. But think about this. As much as your parents loved you, they could not prevent you from being hurt by other people. And you're not going to be able to stop your kids from being hurt. And I think if I had more time, I'd, I'd talk to you about the value of, uh, of not overreacting when your kids get hurt. You know, like, you know, just overreacting. Help them to learn from it because the reality is they're not just going to get hurt as a teenager. They're going to get hurt as adult. People are, uh, you know, and here's an axiom. John Maxwell used to teach this a long time ago, probably still does, that hurting people hurt people. That'll help you. That when you say, well, why does somebody hurt me? You know, they're, they, uh, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the people that hurt you, they have their own hurts. 
and they don't know any better. So my point in that is this. You are not going to be able to keep your kids from being hurt. If it happened to you, it's going to happen to them. And when you teach them how to receive the forgiveness from God and how to extend forgiveness to other people, do you know what you're helping to guard them against in the future? To guard them against the destructive emotions of guilt and resentment. You know how many people, we were singing earlier about freedom. And Jesus, I love what it says, that, that when the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Isn't that true? But do you know how many people are, are in chains to guilt? Because they've never been able to receive the forgiveness of God. And, you know, I've said this in so many different settings with people. You know, why is it that God can forgive you, but you're having so much trouble forgiving yourself? And people just stay in chains to guilt because they can't receive the forgiveness of God. But then I know a lot of other people, think about this. They're in chains not because they can't receive the forgiveness of God. They're in chains to resentment because they've never really practiced forgiving somebody else. That's one of the best things you could do, no matter what your age is, whether you're young or old, a man or a woman, a dad or a mom, is if you've got resentment and bitterness in your heart, you don't want to live that way the rest of your life. Learn to receive the forgiveness of God and, you know, extend forgiveness to other people and teach your kids. That's one of the most important things that you could ever teach your kids. Number six, teach them that God will always help them to do the right thing. A lot of times we say to our kids, I want you to do the right thing, and we spell that out. But, and that's important, but teach them that God will empower them to do the right thing. Now, how do we know this? Again, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 9, 13, pray this way, lead us not into temptation. You see, one of the great lessons that we can teach our kids is that God not only wants them to do right, but that he's going to give them everything necessary to do right. Help your kids to realize the three dimensions of temptation. And, and the guys are going to put this, and I'll just hit it real quickly before we're done. This is out of 1 John chapter 2. Look at this. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. That's number one. Secondly, a craving for everything we see. That's number two. And pride in our achievements and possessions. That's number three. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. L let me just say this, and maybe we'll take time in the future to just talk just about this in a message one Sunday. These are the three dimensions of temptation. Every form of temptation is going to come through these, one of these three things. Through the lust of the flesh, if it feels good, I'm going to do it. Through the lust of the eyes, I see it and I have to have it. Or the pride of life, ego, status, I have to be. I don't even need God. All right, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And, uh, you know, I think we need to teach our kids that, help them to identify that. But then here's a promise that uh, I think we need to teach our kids. Here's a verse that as dads we need to give to our sons and our daughters. It's very important. Look at this next verse. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 13, I believe. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under, uh, up, uh, under it. Now, let me just say this before we move to the final one. I think it's really important. Hopefully, you understand this as a, as a dad. But I think it's really important to teach your kids that it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not everybody's going to be tempted. If you tell me, well, you know, Pastor Jeff, I, I'm, I'm the exception to the rule. I'm never tempted. Well, you're tempted with dishonesty. I can just tell you that right now. 
everybody's going to be tempted. But it's not a sin to be tempted. It's when we cave to that. It's like, and I've remembered this so, so many times uh, before. Uh, and it's just a little analogy. Most of you have probably heard it. Just helping you to understand. Hey, likening temptation in this way. You can't stop a bird from landing on your head. But you can stop him from building a nest there. You know, to be tempted is not a sin. It's, it's caving to that temptation. When your kids say, well, you know, I, I couldn't help it. I just had to do it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says no temptation is taking you, such that it's coming to man. God will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. But what will God do? He will always provide what? A way out. And teach your kids, no matter how much the pressure gets turned up, there's always going to be a way out. And then lastly, number seven, help your kids to know that God will protect them from evil. Matthew 6, 13, deliver us from evil. Some translation, deliver us from the evil one. Now, do I need to convince anybody here, I don't think I do, that the world is becoming increasingly evil? I mean, more and more evil. You know, it's one thing to say, well, you know, I faced a lot of stuff when I was, when I was young. Listen, and so did I. But what I faced when I was a teenager does not compare to what teenagers face today. This world has become, you know, uh, what's, what's available in any direction? I mean, so many, just the Internet alone, what's available? And some of you are saying, well, you know, when I was a teenager, there wasn't even Internet. And now the, the wave of evil and all Internet, I'm not saying that all, a lot of the good is done with the Internet, but there's so much garbage and there's so much evil. And I could just go right down the list. But the reality is you can teach your kid that God will deliver them from evil. Now, I leave you this thought. You cannot be with your kids. And for some of you that you have young kids right now, and uh, you, you got this whole world of experience, and that's why I hope you're grabbing these principles today. Now, right now, you can basically, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom, you can be with your kids 24-7. But I want to promise you, as your kids grow older, they're not going to be ha- able to have you around with them 24-7. Here's the reality. You cannot be them, with them 24-7, and you cannot keep your kids from evil. But here's the truth you need to know. God can, and God can help you. And the reality is pray for your kids every day. We're out of time. You can go ahead and stand. We're out of time. Pray for your kids every day. I still pray for my kids every single day. I pray, God, let your kingdom come. I do. I pray this all the time, every day. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in the life of Brent. I pray this prayer. Keep my kids safe from the snares and the evil one. Let them always be in the center of your will. God, most of all spiritually, but also in their relationships and vocation and education, let them be in the center. And then I just, I start praying that over Brent. And I pray that for Nicole, his wife. And I pray it for for uh, Kenley, and I pray it for Landry, and I pray it for Brody, and then I pray it over Drew, and I pray it over Tabitha, and I prayed it all these years for Audrey, and now I'm having to pray it, you know, reluctantly over our future son-in-law. I don't pray it as earnestly. I hold back a little. No, I don't. Pray for your kids. You say, at what point do I stop praying for my kids? Never. Whether they're 50 years old, don't stop praying for them. Pray for your kids. 
and pray that God would be a shield around them. I still pray that prayer started when they were babies. God, be a shield around my kids. Protect my kids from evil. Let them always be in the epicenter of your will. I hope this has been helpful for you today. Teach and instruct your kids. That's your responsibility. Lay a spiritual foundation. Leave a legacy. Amen. I'm going to pray. And then all you dads on the way out, don't forget, you go by the canoe. Watch out for the rattlesnake. But go by the canoe and, and get you a dad's root beer and get you some jerky. All the stuff the dads like. Thank you for being here on Father's Day. Father, thank you for this day. Help us to take the truth of your word and use it in our families and use it to teach and instruct our kids in the ways of the Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Happy Father's Day. Love you, everybody.